Before we get started, I have a program announcement. Doug decided that news from around the world wasn't quite as entertaining as we thought it would be. So it's going away after one episode. That's just great, now it's one less thing I get to do in the show. But I do get to do this, start the show. Lift off and the clock has started. Here we go. Yes, welcome to a 20 minutes you'll never get back. I am Doug Prezak, you know, just in case you didn't know. And frankly, after 101 episodes, you really should know. <laughs> and as yes, you know, sadly, as Graham told you, I decided that that whole news from around the world thing uh, just did not land. So I had a few more stories, but they're just as lame as the raccoon in a bar. So it's out. But, you know, to make up for all that crap from last time, how about this? What's black, cool, and stands in a forest? Yep, it's a deer in a leather jacket. <laughs> Sorry. Right, one more. I love vegan food. It makes a great side dish for a steak. <laughs> there, I, I feel better now. <laughs> and before we get uh, too far into things here, I have an announcement. This episode is being sponsored by Shauna. That's right. Shauna went to uh, buymeacoffee.com and she made a donation to help support the show. So a gigantic big thanks to Shauna for that. Thank you and cheers to you, Shauna. Because of your generosity, I get to come back next episode. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, what else? Uh, did any of you happen to go into Starbucks uh, during the past couple of days and ask for a cup of Josephus? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Oh, and here is your Iceland update. I am very happy to report that this show has now been downloaded in 75 different countries, and Iceland is not one of them. I'm not worried because by my calculations, we have another 93 episodes to uh, get Iceland, so we'll, we'll keep trying. I tell you what, Iceland, if one person in any town, province, state, city, capital, whatever Iceland, some one person downloads the show, I will do the entire 20 minutes of the next episode on Iceland. I promise. That's a guarantee for me. This is what it could sound like. Did you know that approximately one third of Chile's population lives in Santiago? Yeah. Chile is actually one of the longest countries in the world. And Chile's national dance is called the Cueca. I hope I pronounced that right. Cueca is a traditional dance that reenacts the courting ritual of a rooster and a hen. So there you go. It's your move, Iceland. All right, let's jump into today's topic. It involves a country, not directly, but and not always by choice. Which country, you ask? Well, it's France. Now, I know I have a lot of uh, folks in France who listen to the show from bunches of cities and towns whose names I couldn't pronounce if I had a three-day head start. But this show isn't really about France as a country. Yesterday, I had a sandwich at a restaurant, and the menu said it came on a French roll. And that got me to thinking. And you know what happens then. I did a lot of research, so you didn't have to. Why do things get named French? And I'm using those air quotes when I say the word French. You just, you just can't see them. Let's kick it off with that bread thing, okay? It really is French bread. You know the style. The most popular type of bread in France is the baguette. It's that long, thin, crusty loaf you usually see sticking out of a shopping bag on any movie or TV show when someone's coming home from the grocery store. It's known as the French stick because baguette literally means stick. At least that's what I've been told. <laughs> 
Baguettes come in three slightly different forms. There's the ordinary baguette, you know, the photogenic long one with crisp brown crust. There's the uh, molded baguette or the baguette molle, <laughs> which usually has fine lattice pattern. And a flowered baguette or baguette farinet. <laughs> it's paler in color because of the crust is covered with flour before cooking. <laughs> Sorry, I'm tripping over my own French here. Baguettes from the bread counter of a French supermarket are tasty, and generally they need to be eaten quickly as a baker's bread. Many supermarkets use industrial dough, which has been deep frozen before being baked on the premises, and bread counters selling this bread are not allowed by law to call themselves boulangeries. <laughs> Oh, my French is just amazing, isn't it? So what about French bread here in the U.S.? Well, of course, here in America, uh, we had to take something and simplify it. <laughs> Why wouldn't we? American-style French bread tends to be longer and wider than traditional baguettes and has rounded ends. The recipe is not defined, and French bread can be made with sourdough or even whole wheat or granary. I know, you French listeners out there <laughs> rolling your eyes, I don't blame you. So French bread is pretty straightforward. So we're going to put a check in the French column because it's French bread. We just kind of muck around with it. So Doug, you say, what about French toast? <laughs> well, the French did not invent French toast. What? So if the French did not invent this egg-soaked bread thing, who did? And why is it French? Well, according to Frenchly, <laughs> Frenchly, and I know you all read that regularly, one legend tells a tale of Joseph French. It seems Joe was a New Yorker in the late 1700s who served the dish in his restaurant, but he missed the apostrophe when adding it to his menu. However, Frenchly explains that earlier records indicate that the French toast was already in print in England in 1660. Finally, Frenchly suggests that the name might also be influenced by the extra appeal of implying they dish is French in origin, thanks to that country's reputation for fine food. <laughs> come, come on, Frenchly. <laughs> That's kind of tooting your own French horn, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm not going to buy that story, and this requires more research. So I did it. Well, according to said research, a collection of recipes from the early 4th century A.D., the dish we know as French toast existed as early as the age of the Roman Empire. The Roman author Apicius, <laughs> great, besides French, now I'm doing Roman. Apicius included it in his uh, cookbook titled <laughs> Cooking and Dining in Imperial Rome. <laughs> Did you pick that up on the corner? <laughs> Cooking and Dining in Imperial Rome. Their style of French toast was called pan dulces, where it's labeled as, quote, another sweet dish. <laughs> Romans would soak bread in a milk and egg mixture and then fry it in oil and butter. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> uh, the French called their version pan perdu, which translates to lost bread. Now, that kind of makes sense since the dish is uh, traditionally made using stale bread and then they salvage it into uh, something tasty. Unlike here in the United States, where French toast is served as a sweet breakfast, the French eat it for dessert. So why the French in French toast? Well, it's because the bread that was commonly used was French toast. <laughs> Did you have to figure that one out? So is French toast French? 
Well, no, except if you make the traditional version, then using French bread, which of course makes it French toast. Did it come from France? No, but use French bread, therefore it's French toast. What else? Well, you know what? I'm going to take a break here. And when we come back, there are two more things uh, that are labeled French. So don't go away. Uh, well, because there's more. spreads more smiles on more faces than the taste of French's classic yellow, hearty deli, mild Dijon, and French's new honey mustard. Smile, you've got French's. Smile, you've got French's. By the way, in case you were wondering, French's mustard isn't French. In 1904, George and Francis French introduced French's classic yellow mustard to the world. It was served over hot dogs at the St. Louis World's Fair. And as the boss always says, mustard on a hot dog, never ketchup. He made me say that. Yes, I did. <laughs> Next up, French dressing. So is French dressing really from France? Well, to answer that question, here is what French native and author Jerome Cohen has to say about that. Quote, in France, there is no such thing as French dressing, and most things that start with French usually are not, end quote. <laughs> yes, we're finding that out right now. Uh, he goes on to say, quote, if anything deserves to be called French dressing, it would be a vinaigrette, which is largely homemade, not store-bought, with oil, vinegar, mustard, salt, and pepper. Not a single French person I know has ever tasted or heard of French dressing. No store sells it, and no restaurant serves it. Subtle people. So then, what is up with the French in French dressing? Well, first, let me tease you with this, okay? The Food and Drug Administration recently announced that it would be deregulating French dressing. <laughs> you hear that? That's breaking news right there. Now, you're probably questioning why, A, we regulated French dressing in the first place, and two, we're bothering to deregulate it now. Well, I'll tell you the story behind this deregulation in just a bit, but it is intimately tied to the history of French dressing. Now, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, American travelers to France brought back the notion of a vinaigrette dressing. Until then, dressings in the U.S. were mostly creamy concoctions. So when the people in the U.S. used salad dressing, like the one they used in France, well, it was a vinaigrette. It was called a French dressing because, well, that's what the French used. Now, the FDA later defined French dressing as essentially a vinaigrette. The first recipe with a French dressing title appeared in the Ladies' Home Journal in 1900. So after that, it was simply became the term that we would use to describe the most common type of salad dressing that the French put on their salads. Now, it was shortly after that that Americans adapted the French recipe. Of course we did. <laughs> we added flavorings like Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> well, it took me 32 takes to say that. Onion juice, ketchup, paprika, Tabasco, and sugar, all while keeping the name French dressing. The Milani brand started selling its orange version of the stuff in 1938, and they were the first 
to commercially produce it. By the 1950s, recipes were showing up everywhere for French dressing that doctored up the original vinaigrette with paprika, chili sauce, tomato ketchup, and even tomato soup. So why the regulation, you ask? Well, I'm so glad you did because all this research would have been a waste of time. In 1950, the FDA issued a ruling that prohibited the use of mineral oil in foods. Now, mineral oil is a non-digestible petroleum product and it's colorless and odorless and was commonly used as a laxative. <gasps> mineral oil is also extremely cheap when compared with vegetable oils and it would be really easy for unscrupulous food manufacturers and other ne'er-do-wells to use it to replace the edible stuff. So the FDA passed a regulation that ensured it did not end up in people's food. Until January of this year, the FDA still considered French dressing as a vinaigrette. They allowed for certain add-ons, but for the most part, <laughs> they still considered it a vinaigrette. And after more than 70 years, the federal government has decided that French dressing no longer needs to be regulated. The FDA goes on to say, now when it comes to French dressing, many consumers expect the red or red-orange color and tomato or tomato-derived elements, none of which are required on the current standards. So the next time you go to... Let's <laughs> really try this. So the next time you go to a restaurant and ask for French dressing and they bring you that orange crap, you can explain that you mean the real French dressing, a vinaigrette. But between you and me, I would not trust what they bring back to you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> all right, based on all that, we have to say, yes, French dressing is French. Us Americans just jacked it up by turning it thick and orange. <laughs> Next up on our Is It French list, what about that French dip sandwich? Surely that had to originate in France, right? Nope. <laughs> the origins of the French dip sandwich are somewhat uncertain, and there are a variety of stories, of course there are. But the primary theories involve two restaurants in Los Angeles, both of whom claim to be the inventors, and they're not in France. The first and most widely accepted as the originator is the restaurant Philippe's The Original. Now, according to their story, in 1918, owner Philippe Mathieu was making a sandwich for a police officer and accidentally dropped the French roll in a pan filled with the roasting juices. The officer didn't care and told Philippe that he'd take the sandwich just like that. Well, the next day, the officer returned with his friends and asked for more dipped sandwiches. Now, there's further uncertainty about why the dish is called the French dip. It could be one of three things. It could be due to Philippe's heritage, the French roll that it served on, or because the officer's last name was, in fact, French. The second restaurant that claims to have invented the French dip is Coles. Now, Coles is the oldest continuously operating bar and restaurant in Los Angeles. According to them, the sandwich was first made when a customer who recently had dental work complained that the French bread was too hard for him to eat. So owner Henry Cole dipped the French bread in the juices from the roasting pan in order to make it softer. You can decide which story you like better. <laughs> it makes no difference to me. So is a French dip French? Nope. Sorry, France. And lastly, the French fry. <laughs> you knew it was coming, didn't you? Now, if I asked all of you, uh, do you think the French fry is really French? I'm guessing a majority of you would say, no, Doug, it's probably another food we've attached the word French to. Maybe a bunch of you might be saying, please tell me it's French, please. Well, one theory says despite the name and popularity, 
French fries are not French. The story goes on that the origins can be found in the late 1600s Belgium, where historians claim potatoes were being fried. According to Belgian lore, poor villagers living in the Meuse Valley often ate small fried fish they caught in the river. During the winter months when the river froze, fishing became nearly impossible and forced villagers to find some other sources of food. This is when the villagers turned to the potato, slicing it and frying them just like they prepared their fish. Now, it's said that this dish was discovered by American soldiers in Belgium during World War I, and since the dominant language of southern Belgium is French, they dubbed the tasty fried potatoes as French fries. So that's it, right? Oh, come on, you knew there's another story, didn't you? So this guy, Pierre Leclerc, he's a culinary historian and a professor at the University of Liège. He says the story is, quote, not plausible. First and foremost, Leclerc said it's far more likely that it took place not in 1680, but in 1739. You see, potatoes were not introduced to the region until 1735. Leclerc is not the only one to believe in a different origin of the story for the French fry, Some people, particularly the French, take the name of the dish a bit more literally. The proponents of a truly French fry claim that the delicacy's first form was the pomme (laughs) pont-neuf. They were first sold by the street vendors on Paris's (laughs) pont-neuf in the 1780s. I swear to God, I apologize to all the French listeners. (laughs) I do my best. Then there is this to add to this story. Thomas Jefferson, you remember him, the third president here? Well, he also served as the American minister to France from 1784 to 1789. He is generally credited with introducing the French fry to America. And in his case, the fries were definitely French since he encountered them while living in France. Now, despite Jefferson's backing, the French fries really didn't seem to catch on to the general public until the 1870s and only became popular in the 1900s. According to linguist Stuart Berg Flexner, they were known formally as French fried potatoes until the late 1920s. The name was subsequently shortened first to French frieds, then to French fries, and finally in the 60s, just plain fries. You know, as in, you want fries with that? (laughs) Do me a favor, will you please? The next time you're in McDonald's and you order a Big Mac, also say you would like an order of French fried potatoes. (laughs) I dare (laughs) you. So, are fries really French? Well, you know, that's kind of up to you. If you're from Belgium, then no. If you're from France, then yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, that will do it for this episode of uh, Foods with the French in the title. (laughs) But first, what have we learned? Well, we once again learned that only mustard goes on a hot dog, but it, it doesn't have to be French's mustard because, you know, it isn't from France. We learned that the French dip sandwich maybe, just possibly, may have been named after an L.A. police officer. And finally, thanks to the FDA, you're not pouring laxative all over your (laughs) salad. I couldn't get through it. You're not pouring laxative all over your salad. 
that will do it for episode 102. And remember, if you want to join Shauna in the Donor Hall of Fame, just visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash 20 minutes. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. That's a wrap. And I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.